Okay, folks, uh, we are live. No pomp and circumstance uh, tonight. Uh, we felt uh, the need to go live uh, and do this. Uh, unfortunately, because of some announcements and some uh, information we've been getting over the last um, probably an hour and a half or so, JB, we want to go through the uh, conferences of the East and tell you where we stand. We will include some rumors and tell you where the rumors are such just so that we are fully on board uh, with you as to what the information is. Things can change in those situations, please don't forget. But obviously we are perilously close to losing the entire fall 2020 football season in the East region. And I think if you hear me say that and JB say that right now, it sort of gives you a wake-up call because we are two of the bigger optimists out there about what things mean. On our July 3rd show, you probably remember what we were saying about different fatality rates, different possibilities, etc. Uh, thank you for your viewership in that show. It was our uh, most viewed show ever. Uh, so again, thank you for all that. But uh, the bad news uh, is getting worse in terms of uh, the, I don't want to say cold feet, but uh, decisions being made. Um, let's, let's go to tonight's specific news. We're going to break some news right now. Uh, again, in multiple sources, we would not report this unless we had multiple sources telling us this information. The MASCAC will be coming out in the morning, we believe, to state that they will not be playing fall sports. They are considering spring football as a possibility and may offer individual schools the ability to uh, petition the, uh, to the league or the uh, presidents of the league to play some one-offs in the fall if they so choose. But overall, the MASCAC will not be playing fall 2020 football and other fall sports. That one hits pretty hard, JB, because we did mention on the July 3rd show we had not been getting much information about the MASCAC, and it seems like there was some pro and con, from what I understand, in that conference, in the discussions, and that might be why that was happening. Limited flexibility, not as much as what we saw from the ECFC this morning. We'll talk about them in a moment, but your thoughts on the MASCAC right now, and then we'll talk about the other conference that announced or that we believe will announce tonight. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> the the dominoes continue to fall. Um, and we back on back on the third, we talked about um, you know the MASCAC as being a, a potentially strong candidate for trying to keep a regional system in place because all the schools are so closely. Um, geographically anyway uh, together and that there would be really no need for major travel or costs and uh, you think contract uh, sorry contact uh, tracing and things like that would be easy to do if should anything happen the state of Massachusetts is doing very well um, very low incidences of, of COVID by this point but uh, it's also these are state-run institutions and there might be budget concerns um, that could be affecting the situation so um, unfortunate on one hand, for some reason, I thought you were going to say another conference, Frank, that was in New England. Um, and we'll I talk am, about uh, that in a minute. Let's, yeah. We won't jump too far ahead. Let, let's get to the actual news tonight that we're uh, either breaking okay. or have. Um, that is the Empire 8. Uh, we understand uh, that the Empire 8, we don't have the full details on this one from our sourcing. 
However, it looks like the Empire 8 will not be playing football at the very least in fall 2020. Uh, whether or not that extends to other, sp- other fall sports, we'll find out, I believe, at 9.30 p.m. tonight. We're expecting a release from the conference. Uh, but football appears to be out for the Empire 8, and we don't believe there is a flexibility quotient in that announcement coming up. But again, we will see and hope that there is one because obviously this affects the Liberty League. We'll talk about that in a second as well because we're going to go around the horn of what's left out there in a moment. But the Empire 8 canceling is a real kick in the pants, I guess, for the Liberty League. And we did get a reaction from Tracy King earlier of the Liberty League who said, essentially, we'll have to go back to the drawing board to see what our options are, paraphrasing him. We'll talk about a couple of those potential options in a moment. But JB, Empire 8, most likely, from what we understand, out. Yeah, that's a league that's like also a combination of some state and private schools, um, maybe schools with not the, the largest uh, endowments. But it did seem, you know, based on all the other indications uh, that we had seen uh, as far as reopenings and so on, that you thought that perhaps that, that athletics would be in the mix. But unfortunately not. Uh, it does leave, um, you know, some of the other upstate New York teams, once again, an area with limited to next to no um, COVID uh, situation right now. Um, but I guess they're, they're opting to play it safe. It could be a financial reason, could be a number of different reasons. Um, but yeah, once again, uh, another, another conference deciding to, to go down, but we do not know for sure whether or not like the ECFC that announced early this morning um, that they were not going to sponsor sports as a conference they did basically say, you know, for the teams that, that want to play and have an interest and, in, you know, we'll support you guys. Uh, we're not going to count the you know, games as conference games, which basically to me sounds like what we've been talking about before, Frank, the pool A bids are just going to keep going down. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of conferences that just pass on on a, on a playoff uh, altogether probably. But at least, uh, you know, for I think the four or five remaining teams, um, maybe it's only four now that Gallaudet uh, opted out a few hours earlier. Um, so Anna Maria, Castleton, Alfred State, and so on. Um, you know, they're, they're, they may still be trying to fight uh, to find a find a place to play. The Liberty League and Alfred State is a pretty good match if that's something that can happen, but we'll have to wait and see. And now you can. Uh, <laughs> I was like, mute button on the live Frank, show. Frank has gone speechless. <laughs> some people would love that, I'm sure. It's, especially some conferences uh, yeah, as we me, break news tonight. And me look, too. I, I want to say one thing to the conferences that we are breaking news on tonight. If it wasn't student-athletes' livelihoods and lives in the balance here, every day counts right now, folks. Because they have decisions to make at their institutions on whether they want to defer or not, travel that they'll be buying, to go back to school or not, and a lot more than just that. Every hour and day and, you know, everything else counts right now for these student-athletes. So if we're wrong, I hope we are in these cases, to be honest with you. I would love to be wrong tonight. However, again, we do source it with several people before we do it, but at least it's going to give them pause to think about what they're, you know, if they're on an airline site, for instance, trying to get their tickets ready to go back to school or something like that, or a U-Haul or whatever. So this matters right now for the student athletes. We, that has been our MO from day one on our programming related to COVID, the student athletes. And so... If you want to hate us for this or hate me personally, go ahead. But at the same time, 
we have to perform this service right now. This is meaningful to what we are really out here doing, uh, ultimately. Conference by conference, we have no graphics to go with this because this is spur of the moment, but here we go. Uh, ECFC, you discussed. Uh, basically, four teams left out there, uh, as we've seen uh, Dean uh, fall by the wayside and uh, Gallaudet uh, fall by the wayside. Uh, we have uh, your son in the background. <laughs> you're on, you're on the internet, buddy. There you uh, go. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. That'll make I the. Uh, it's okay. I'm so sorry. The photo bomb. That's, there you go. That that will make the highlight reel someday. <laughs> At least we can laugh about something tonight. Oh, Classic God. moment right there. But anyway, uh, we're going to say the ECFC is going to have some trouble, as you said. Uh, there are some main teams out there that might be able to help fulfill the New England version of the ECFC teams. We don't That's know right. fully yet. In fact, we were hearing that Colby might be a school uh, that from the NESCAC that might be considering crossing over which we never hear about, to play in the fall to do that. We'll see what happens. That is possible. But uh, the NESCAC is allowing schools to make the decision, ultimately, if they want to play non-conference games. But we didn't think that was going to be applicable to football. Now we're not so sure. After uh, Matt Noonan's rumor uh, mill on that one this uh, afternoon came out. But for all intents and purposes, the NESCAC is out for the fall, considering spring football. The MASCAC. Spring football is a consideration. Some one-offs in the fall, as we uh, reported. This is to be announced tomorrow morning, we believe, uh, in the following manner, or, or the uh, previous manner, I guess I should say, now that we've just said it. Um, but the uh, MASCAC uh, not playing in the fall, it looks like. The new MAC, we have lost MIT already. And for as much as the RPI union scenario was a kind of a twofer, and a lot of people don't want to believe our reporting about RPI's decision swaying union folks we have multiple on that one as well and I, I will tell you as a union guy it wouldn't surprise me that it's true I, I apologize to those that don't want to believe it that I'm being steadfast on that uh, information but I am so you know again pin it on me if you want but we have multiple sources important sources of that on that information uh, but going back to the new Mac I feel like the WPI MIT situation will be kind of like what Union and RPI ultimately were. We'll see. Uh, I, WPI would be a big loss for the new Mac if they don't go forward. I understand Springfield's trying, uh, but again, it's going to be what happens with the new Mac as a whole. Uh, the military institutions seem like they want to go, but then, you know, that's Norwich Coast Guard, Merchant Marine, but not much information flowing in that direction. There's a decision to be made, from what I understand, later this week by the new Mac. The news coming out of the MASCAC is probably not going to be good for that decision. So I would not be surprised at this point if the new Mac says no, but maybe provides the flexibility the ECFC did. That is conjecture here, folks. That is not true known information. So please remember that. The CCC has lost Becker today uh, in the whole fold of uh, playing this season. Uh, what it means for the rest of them. This is another conference that's been a little eerily quiet. And I would say the way the new Mac goes, the CCC goes too on this, if I had to guess, conjecture again. But we're, it's dominoes. JB, it's a lot of game well, of dominoes. Yeah, but we do know there's at least two CCC programs that are very much interested in planning on, on moving forward. I guess it will ultimately depend on whether their president... Um, 
or the respective presidents rather, you know, agree with that approach and, and let uh, maybe the con if the conference goes the ECFC's way and allows teams to, to go out and schedule, uh, then that's one thing. But if it's, you know, the, the presidents kind of united like we saw with the CC, well, yeah, the Centennial wasn't exactly a united front, <laughs> but maybe with um, some of these other conferences, uh, that that do say um, at least in one hand you know we're, we're canceling sports and everyone's in line, but a lot of schools are still trying to keep the the door open whether that's realistic or not time will tell. That is New England, I believe. We had the New Max ECC, uh, ECFC, uh, MassCAC, and uh, NESCAC. We've talked about. The Empire 8 we've discussed now, uh, coming out with an announcement probably in the next uh, hour or so. I'm trying to get my clock up on my screen here. However, it's not going to... Uh, to be I thought it was tonight or tomorrow morning. 9.30 tonight 9 is what I'm hearing. 9.30 p.m. Uh, and I've heard that from yeah. two different sources tonight. So we'll see uh, mm -hmm. if that does materialize. Uh, but the Empire 8 appears to be out. We don't know about the flexibility level as of, the, as of this live show being recorded, we'll call it. Uh, Liberty League. No RPI, no union. That leaves five teams. Tracy King uh, probably was taken by surprise to a degree about the Empire 8 because I think they were relying on the Empire 8 to fill two to three yeah. games per team as non-conference games. So can the Liberty League do it? The answer is yes, but they're going to have to play home and homes basically because the status of the state of New York appears to be who knows what level of travel will be allowed in and out of the state of New York come September, October, November. So unless your schedule is completely New York-based, you may have a real problem traveling the uh, student-athletes from New York and outside, or to an outside state, and then getting them back in without having to quarantine them for two weeks. That's where we are here in the state of New York because... There are 22 states that cannot come into uh, whose travelers can't come into New York without quarantining right now, as of last count. And so you can't risk the quarantine factor and make a schedule at this point unless it's all New York State teams. You can get the student athletes into the state in the first place for the 14-day quarantine, but you can't necessarily rely on the travel that comes with the football schedule. So Hobart, St. Lawrence. Uh, let's see if I can do this correctly. Rochester. Uh, Ithaca. Yeah, Rochester. And we are forgetting about one. Buffalo State. Buffalo which State. ironically was you know, part of the Empire 8 previously until the Liberty League you know, needed to pull them uh, under the fold to keep their automatic qualifier. So do they, do they have to follow the same, you know, deal as like I'd say at Brockport or Morrisville, some of these other – Cortland, these other SUNY schools – I don't know, um, but you're down already four games, basically, uh, for in conference with the Liberty League, and, and Ithaca hasn't technically announced what their fall plan is, other than they initially came out very, very early on saying students back on campus by October 5th, nothing on athletics. Susan Bassett, the AD, put out a statement a few weeks back, basically kind of saying a lot without really saying anything. Um, you know, the usual stuff that you'd expect from a college administrator about, you know, the safety and the, and the task force and, you know, the, it's, it's all valid and important, but there was no final line that says, yeah, we're going to have a decision by this date or we're definitely going to do athletics or we're definitely not. So if Ithaca jumps, um, you know, uh, then uh, it, things get a little more tenuous for the um, 
you know, for the upstate New York schools. And then maybe they start looking uh, towards the spring. But as we've you know, talked about previously, there's a lot of um, a lot of concerns by medical and other professionals around what spring football really means. Yeah, we're going to try to get some information uh, on that uh, in a uh, future uh, mini show coming up here in the next week or so. Uh, we'll fill you in on that when we do have that ability. But again, uh, the Liberty League, the way that they could fill a schedule is with home and homes. And whether or not they would make all those league games or not would be a whole different question. First, they have to determine if that's even worth doing if they have five or four teams remaining in the Liberty League. Uh, you could have six or eight games that way, depending on how it pans out. The MAC seems to be in a, uh, in a go position for their conference. Uh, I believe we've did we hear maybe one MAC team was swaying out, uh, if I remember correctly. And I'm, I'm just trying to think back here. I don't have the list in front of me, but uh, basically, even if the MAC were to play all league games, they wouldn't be able to probably play ten games uh, this you know, f- uh, fall. When we did our um, when we did our update, uh, basically they all uh, listed reopening dates around, um, you know, basically in between the 17th of August or the 24th, give or take a week or so. Um, everyone was planning on reopening with some type of uh, fall semester. Uh, Lebanon Valley had a um, had, no, I'm sorry, Lycoming uh, had formed a reopening task force, but they hadn't made an announcement either way about what they were doing. And the interesting thing with the, with the Mac Frank, see there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 teams. Yep. There's no way that they're going to play all, you know, 11 games. <laughs> the way things 10, are shaking games. Out. 10 games. Yeah. Um, 10 basically. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe there's, an, there's opportunities for some of these Mac schools, depending on their location to, to help out some of these other East region schools, or maybe they don't, they just, um, you know, they keep to their typical conference schedule and they, um, you know, they just count those as, uh, you know, the two outliers, as we said before, is, is FDU and, and, and Stevenson. Those are the only two schools that are not in Pennsylvania. I don't think that's necessarily going to affect them, um, you know, per se, but, you know, maybe FDU's location could open it up to, um, you know, if if a uh, possible opponent you know approached it um, in the New York, New Jersey area, they could potentially do that if if Coach Robertson um, decided to to go that route. I'm going to go into one shot here for a minute and talk about the last remaining conference here, and that is the NJAC. Um, we've heard rumors. Uh, we were happy about a Montclair announcement earlier today that looked like they were good to go for fall sports. And then we heard some rumors back again. These are strictly rumors. We don't believe the decision is final, but we want to address it because it's something that makes us scratch our heads a little bit and kind of goes back to our July 3rd show. The consideration uh, on the table from what we understand is that the NJAC is considering playing all fall sports in the fall except for football and considering spring football. It seems like a very odd type of decision, to be honest with you. This is kind of, first off, the question of why is football going to be considered more dangerous than soccer or field hockey or any other fall sport in terms of spread of COVID, since we breathe heavily and sweat and everything else you may consider as something that could cause COVID to be spread. We don't believe spread can cause it, although we've heard differing opinions on that. So why is football being singled out if that is the case? On top of it, remember something. And so this is to all the conferences out there considering spring football. We have already screwed over a spring term of athletics. 
in Division Three because we lost the spring last year. Now, for two sport athletes, two sport coaches, the fall spring connection that exists in a lot of these situations, we would do it again because essentially you're going to tell the fall sport athletes they have to make a choice. Many would choose football, I would guess, over lacrosse uh, or baseball, although maybe they wouldn't. Well, we would see, but they would not have their full teams on the field in the spring again. That would be two straight spring seasons screwed by the entire process. If you have the ability and potential to play in the fall, let alone the safety issues that are out there right now that we're considering discussing here uh, in the next few days with concussions, head trauma, body trauma, etc., with a number of games being played in an eight-month period, if you have the potential to play in the fall and you're doing other sports in the fall anyway, play in the fall. It just doesn't make any sense why you wouldn't at this point, especially if you're not in New York and New England, where it seems like we're having a full-on shutdown for football. But as you go further south and west, it seems like folks are holding true to the idea that they want to play at this point. JB, I'll give you the floor on this one. What's your thought? Well, yeah, I mean, I think with with respect to spring football, with Coach Ray over at Williams College and and just the the amount of logistics, the um, yeah, how do you organize all the different you know games at different times if they're using the same field like a lacrosse and football team or trying to use the the main stadium? Um, do you have enough athletic trainers? Do you uh, maybe it's a shortened season? Um, certainly, I've seen. Uh, certain uh, high schools um, throughout the country that are that are considering that, particularly in what warm weather states like California, um, the state of Florida so far is still planning on moving forward, <laughs> uh, although maybe at a, a later date. Um, so at this point, it, it's kind of who knows um, if if more and more teams though continue to just decide to tap out and drop out and not even attempt um, to to have a season, then the next logical thing is yeah the the coaches and and players will probably be looking to the NCAA for some direction on okay well if the fall is gonna not happen uh, what what kind of uh, season are we looking at in the spring well we're still waiting for the NCAA to opine on the season for this fall if there is going to be one. So good luck uh, finding out anything on the spring until maybe January. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Let me tell you, though, honestly, folks, if the NCA had given us some guidance about three weeks ago, I think schools would have been able to make decisions faster, maybe more in the positive if the requirements related to testing were known and were considered reasonable at that point in time. I think the fear of being wrong or changing a decision is so overblown right now that we have become scared of our own shadow in the whole process of this. Again, it's about safety. I get it. And JB, you get it as well. I know we talk about it daily. But at the same time, there needs to be a leadership principle in these situations. And even leaders inside the NCAA that we talk to that may not be directly employed by them are wondering the same thing. Where is the leadership and guidance that is needed at a time like this for these answers or at least general guidelines as to what they're going to do or promote ultimately? 
you may get a backlash now if you put out guidance and it suddenly makes it less palatable to hold a football season. And so what difference is it if you're wrong early or wrong late ultimately if you're the NCAA? Actually, I would say I'd rather be wrong early and then say, oops, sorry, than basically say, oh yeah, well, you know, hate to rain on your parade, but here we go. And then what? People will differ on that. I understand that. But the point ultimately becomes we need some guidance. Maybe the MAC goes next and the NJAC goes next. We don't know. We hope the CCC, New MAC, etc. will stick with it here in the Liberty League in New York and New England. Right now, it's not looking great. We admit. Yeah. Yeah, I know that d3football.com just tweeted that basically on their sort of tracking list at their website, we're basically at 15% of the division basically saying that they're out. So in theory, that means 85% are in, but a lot of that 85% have yet to apply. And even in the East region where we have nine total conferences, you basically have uh, you know a third that have said that they're not going to play. We have a third that have said that they that they are at least going to attempt to uh, to play in some form or fashion. And then the other third we're still waiting on um, between the CCC uh, and um, and the NJAC. And actually, I think, uh, yeah, and the NUMAC um, being, being that other conference that we're still kind of waiting to hear on. Um, yeah, I think the, the wheels are going to start turning in the next couple of days. And like you've, you know, said on Twitter earlier this week, I think next Monday there could be some more announcements. But it does feel like there's some – momentum picking up as we're now basically four weeks out, uh, maybe five, I guess, uh, with a, with a late September start. Most training camps were going to start around, let's say, August 17th, give or take a few days. So I think now as we're getting close to the official start time, there's some, some concerns. You see on the screen uh, the poll uh, that we had put up on Twitter, uh, and uh, we are uh, tracking it with 134 votes, uh, pretty uh, quick uh, tally so far after putting that up late this afternoon, uh, you can see that I believe that is 42.5% uh, believe there will be no season, and that has been increasing as the evening has gone on for obvious reasons. 38.5.8% say less than 150, which would be basically 100 or more teams saying no. So pessimism, we will say, is in the 78.3% range right now. Uh, more than 190 seems to be almost impossible if we continue at this pace. And uh, 150 to 190, 15.7%. Well, let's hope uh, maybe that is the right one ultimately and that only one-seventh of our respondents or one-sixth uh, get that one correct ultimately. Um, JB, sitting here right now, I'm going to ask you two questions. Do you think we're going to see an East Region season of any form? Do you think we'll see a Division Three football season of any form? Go ahead. Well, you, you know my motto that I've uh, you know I quoted earlier today. I'd rather be uh, an optimist and a fool than a, a pessimist and be right. So I, I feel like um, just based on the information that we know about uh, COVID from a national perspective, I mean, 80% of the cases and uh, fatalities are confined within 13 states, mostly in the south, uh, west, and, and east. Um, 50 counties, uh, pretty much the 70 to 80% of that. So on one hand, you know, you could do uh, devil's advocate and say, is this really a national problem if it's really confined to very specific hotspots? 
And obviously, kids going back to college will be traveling to different locations, which is obviously a concern. Um, but it's interesting that a lot of these conferences, especially the ones that we cover, are in areas where there's literally like one or two cases per 100,000 uh, people or maybe even less. And uh, they're still uh, shutting things down. I think that's being driven uh, mostly by fear. Um, there was a uh, announcement today that at the Oxford University in London that there has been a vaccine that's been fast tracking through uh, clinical trials and could be available with uh, in the next few weeks. And Astra's, uh, AstraZeneca, some large uh, pharmaceutical company, is putting uh, yeah, like a two. They're going to distribute like two billion, you know, something like that, some crazy number. Um, so you know, the optimist in me says. You know, if we do have something like that that could really mitigate the disease by September, then, yeah, there, there probably will be a season. And maybe some of the schools that, that pulled the plug might be like, hmm, wait a minute, maybe we, maybe we can uh, do something. But, you know, if you're you – know, some people, you know, uh, might say, well, I mean, I know Matt Noonan, for instance, wrote an article recently saying that, you know, you should just pull the plug on football. It's not worth it. Uh, I don't agree with that um, necessarily for other, you know, for reasons we've talked about ad nauseum. But um, so I feel like something, some kind of season is going to happen, especially in different parts of the, in parts of the country. I think it will be regionalized. It just might be a very, very small uh, grouping of schools who are, are willing to try to, to make it work. And um, unfortunately, if games become a problem to schedule, then maybe they all just say forget it and tr and look to the NCAA to plan some kind of spring spring season, whether that's safe or not. I mean, what's, is it more safe than <laughs> than this? I don't know. Well, uh, we got a couple uh, comments coming through. Uh, some confidential. Uh, we'll mention uh, one on Twitter. I saw uh, we're coming up to the half hour mark here, so we'll begin to close down uh, and review uh, real quickly before we do uh, leave. Again, um, this is a special live show for those just joining us um, on Facebook uh, Live and uh, Twitter uh, as well, uh, at least on a link. Um, first, uh, one person uh, points out, and uh, I think this is one of the affected conferences uh, they're from. Uh, the cure can't be worse than the, uh, than that of the or the cure can't be worse than uh, the virus. Basically, is uh, the statement there. Something we've said in one of our shows back, I think, in April, uh, give or take. Um, and I I wholeheartedly believe in that as well. I think going to spring football is a cure that is worse than the virus when you think about the implications and so many levels, ultimately, compared to the fatality and effect rates that we see with COVID that we discussed on the July 3rd show. On the flip side, we had a uh, tweet, uh, Frank Rossi, how can the NCAA give guidance on COVID testing when very few of us can get a test? That's uh, like Ivanka telling the unemployed to get a job. I think she said something like, uh, find something new is uh, what the quote was, but okay. Uh, and here's the thing. First things first, we need to know what the NCAA feels is a requirement for safety purposes of what schools should do. Give us the baseline. Then we can fill in the blanks as schools and conferences as to whether we can fulfill it or not at this point. We don't know what yeah. the baseline is. So, yeah, you could be very well right, uh, Mr. Twitter folk, but at the same time, we don't know. If suddenly they give new information next week that you need a test every 72 hours or 72 hours before a contest and it's not going to be possible uh, to be done, suddenly we're going to rip the plug out of a bunch of students that already made plans to go back to campus because the announcements were already made? 
That's what the problem is. We have no baseline right now from the NCAA. We have no date of the first game for, uh, for scheduling. We don't know if there's going to be playoffs or if they aim to have playoffs when they would start. We know nothing right now. And schools and student athletes have a right to more information than this at this point. For as much as we've learned in the last four months, we are acting like some real morons across the board. I hate to say it, but we got to do better than this. And we're not. Yeah, the only, the only thing I'll add is, that, you know, in times of crisis, the the you know, the kind of communication you need is the over communication. It's it, there needs to be a lot more than than this sort of state of, well, I, you know, I don't know, it's it's going to happen. I guess we'll wait another day, see if anyone else cancels their their season. Well, maybe we'll wait another week and see what happens then. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just unfortunate that. As time drags on, uh, the, the the longer we wait, the you know, just uh, it, it's a shame for particularly the, the kids and their families who are trying to make um, some pretty critical uh, life decisions. So, uh, again, uh, JB, why don't you run through? Uh, I'm working on a possible guest real quick here. Why don't you run through the conferences to the degree we have them in the news that we've broken during this, and I'll be right back in to help you out with that. All right. Well, as we know, uh, the conferences that have announced that they do plan to play in September, for, for now, um, are the Liberty League, the MAC, and then even though today the ECFC said that they were canceling fall sports as a conference, they did indicate that their member schools could go out and schedule games should they want to have a season, and uh, the conference would support and help them to the extent that they could. Um, they're not going to count uh what would normally be a conference game as one that basically tells me that their pool A bid has gone poof, um, but that's not a surprise. We were there's no way we we're going to have um, you know all the pool A's that we normally would see in a in a given year. So um, and we don't even <clears throat> have any no idea what the NCAA is going to tell talk to us about um, playoff wise uh, <laughs> probably for another couple months. So don't hold your breath. We're still waiting for updates on the. From the CCC, the NJAC, and the NUMAC. Um, I did see a, a question uh, posted earlier about WPI. We mentioned it earlier in the show, we're not sure. Uh, we hope Coach Rob and the engineers uh, get to play, but given the fact that these guys had to bail RPI, one of their other uh, top rivals, <coughs> excuse me, had to as well, it's going to be tough. I mean, maybe the WPI can reunite with some old Liberty League foes. Um, same thing with Springfield and, and perhaps even the Coast Guard. Uh, they all used to be in that conference about a decade ago, so that's a possibility, I suppose. <clears throat> and finally, earlier uh, we found out that the um, Empire 8 may not be <coughs> uh, participating in fall sports, and we expect uh, an announcement uh, tomorrow morning potentially that the MASCAC um, will also uh, follow that lead. We already knew about the, the NESCAC, although it was interesting, some of the rumor mill around uh, Coach uh, Cosgrove, who was actually a, an FCS uh, University of Maine guy. Um, maybe not, a, you know, since he's not such a longtime B3 guy, he'll just sort of, you know, do us a little Maverick stuff and, and um, schedule some games against the Black Bears or something <laughs> up there, maybe Husson or UNE, we'll see. Um, but, you know, we know that Coach Murray from Hamilton was also on a news broadcast saying that they would potentially look at, um, you know, having games outside their conference if they can. Uh, I don't I don't recall whether or not Hamilton had, had pulled the plug officially or not or if they're keeping things open-minded. But 
that's a, that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, and as as the dominoes you know keep falling, you know we could see, as we said, fifteen percent of the of the division, which is about thirty seven teams, are saying that they're out. Tomorrow we could add another twenty, uh, give or take, and we'll bump that up. But still, as of now, the majority are still either going to try and play or at least thinking about it. Haven't announced. We know the ODAC has down in Virginia, um, and um, there will be some other other conferences uh, throughout the, the country, maybe the, the WIAC and others that we should hear from soon as well. JB, we have a guest actually uh, joining us, a uh, surprise guest, uh, Lake Forest head coach and I believe still technically chair of the selection committee, Jim Catanzaro is joining us live by phone right now, oh, yeah. actually. And uh, you're not gonna be able to uh, get your questions across, but I will uh, pass them on as we do this. Jim, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you guys doing? You know, we've had better nights, Jim. Uh, we uh, have uh, reported the Empire 8 is most likely about 19 minutes away from pulling the plug on their football season. The MASCAC is about 13 hours away from announcing the uh, end of uh, their fall 2020 campaign. Uh, the NJAC is considering spring football. We've gone through our nine conferences of the East region uh, tonight uh, to sort of talk about the decisions made. From the selection committee uh, point of view right now, what are the implications of announcements like these, and what are you seeing and feeling right now about the possibility of playoffs happening at all for a 2020 season? Um, I think those hopes are starting to dwindle a little bit um, just as the participation starts to um, decrease. I, I do know that, I mean, if you if you start getting under 205, uh, you know, at that point, we're still in our, our normal 32-team bracket where we should be since we don't have equal access that the NCAA says. Uh, but I, I think that if we start dropping into the low hundreds, it's kind of hard to have a national championship, you know, situation when less than half of the pool is playing. Uh, you know, half that, less than half of the teams are actually playing. Um, I think that there is a lot of, you know, this is personal opinion, not scientifically backed. I think there's a lot of people that are jumping to this conclusion. Um, the NCAA has not released their revised return to play protocols yet um there's been kind of a leak on that that there may be certain things in there that teams can either can't afford or can't get access to in terms of testing and things like that but those things have not been officially made yet um they were supposed to be early this week they haven't gone out and so i think that there's some very um preemptive strikes going on right now within the conferences to get that but i also know that you know as a coach i've got a lot of families trying to figure out when they're supposed to be on campus and when are, when are you supposed to get those plane tickets for and things like that. And I think that schools are starting to find a lot of pressure to make decisions, um, even if they don't have the information from the NCAA that they would like to have. JB, you have any questions? I'll uh, confer them over to him. Yeah, well, with this lack of information, and for our viewers who may not be familiar with Lake Forest, beautiful liberal arts college in the suburbs of Chicago, Coach, uh, Coach Cat is a um, – big proponent of the Arizona high school football scene. And obviously Arizona being one of the hot spots here nationally. I mean, coach, what kind of communications and questions are you getting from the guys, especially, you know, from, you know, the more affected, you know, 13 states, like I referred to earlier, the Arizonas, the Floridas of the world. Uh, what are these families you know, looking to you to find out and, and what can you tell them? Go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. So I, I'm going to need to kind of clarify the question for me. Sorry. Sure. Uh, basically, uh, what uh, are you telling kind of the Arizona high school uh, recruits uh, families right now about 
what to do uh, since it's a highly affected state and everything else? What kind of guidance can you provide them? Yeah, so, I mean, as of right now, we are status quo at Lake Forest College. We're bringing our guys back on the same day. Nothing has changed as far as that goes. We have a plan in place um, for all of our athletes for the fall semester that we feel really, really good about. But I, I have recently found that we're kind of unique and that we were already planning on doing significant testing with our team. And so um, the bigger thing that's kind of popping up recently is the city of Chicago has a two-week quarantine on any people from some of the, the kind of hot spots right now. I think they have that maybe in New York with Florida and a couple of places. And, we have 22 uh, states right Chicago now. Chicago has copied that. Yep. Uh, fortunately, we are not in the Chicagoland city limits, so we don't have to do that. But we have we basically plan on every single kid that comes to Lake Forest College, any student, not just athletes, is getting tested their first day on campus and will be in quarantine until their um, test results come back, which should be within 24 hours. Um, so we have a partnership with a med- medical college that is is doing the research for us and doing all the testing for us. Um, so we'll know within 24 hours of the kid being on campus if they're at that time, you know, having the virus. Um, so we're, we're right now planning on doing all that. And we are, you know, obviously everybody's kind of waiting to see what happens with the NCAA as a whole. This uh, concept that spring football is a guaranteed thing is not a guaranteed thing yet. There's nothing that has been passed for that. Um, there are several proposals that are out there. Um, we even worked through another one uh, today on the AFCA uh, D3 Coaches Council. It has a representative from every Division Three council in it or every Division Three conference. Um, so we are looking at a lot of different options, but right now it's still fall sports until um, you know something something changes. And so we are you know waiting for that. Um, I know our conference has previously announced that we are planning on being here in the fall and playing, and a number of our other conferences in our area have kind of put it as we're going to be conference only. Um, I do think that I think it was one of you guys who maybe said, or maybe it was Pat at D3 Football that said, you know, schools in the Midwest maybe should be making their decision based on what's happening in Texas or what's happening in Arizona when it's um, nothing like what they're experiencing where they are right now, where it's a little bit maybe more under control. Um, and so I, I think it's a really hard thing to make a national decision. Um, and you really got to leave it up to the local institutions and conferences. And I think that some places are. Uh, maybe getting a little preemptive before they have all the information finalized. Jim, I got two questions for you. First, uh, you talked about testing protocols, and to the degree that you know or think you know what the NCAA may be advising uh, ultimately here, what do you think the cost factor is going to be? What do you think the the effect is on a budget like Lake Force football budget or sports budget uh, for all fall sports, especially since we probably are going to be experiencing a truncation of the schedule itself uh, losing a few games possibly you know going to seven instead of ten games in football and you know similar cuts in other sports what is the balance ultimately for those that don't understand if they had to get a student athlete tested 72 hours before a weekend of a game uh, let's say or something along those lines what is the cost effect yeah so i mean if you just take a football program and just you know i can speak for what we've talked about we have a like i said we have a little different agreement but the, the common number that we're hearing right now uh, for most of the Division three coaches across the country is that a COVID test is going to be about $70 per test um, to get that done. If you times that by a 100-man football roster, which I would say is pretty close to the norm, you're looking at $7,000 a week to play a football game just to test. That doesn't include any other expenses and any other monitoring or anything like that that you might be doing. If you times that by 
you know, let's say eight games. If you're playing maybe a conference only schedule instead of the max 10, you know, that's, that's $56,000 right there just for your football program to do it. Um, now, if you're trying to do that with a couple of other sport teams, with your soccer programs, um, your volleyball program, they're playing more games, less people, but more games. Um, I had one coach share that their athletic department budget for the fall only would be near $165,000 just to test. Um, and so that, that number is a big number in a year where many schools were running probably at a loss in the, in the spring semester because of the COVID refunds that they may have given out. Um, the enrollments, you know, right now there's a lot of hesitancy in the, what I like to refer to as the normal humans that are attending small private colleges um, on whether or not they should do a semester at home, do things online. Um, there, there's been some things there where I think when you start adding six figures to, to play sports, um, addition to what you're already paying for travel and everything else, um, is that, you know, where does that money come from? And some schools are in better situations than others to, to, to foot that bill. Another question for you uh, before I get uh, JB uh, another one. Um, essentially, you've been outspoken on Twitter the last uh, week or so about decision-making, leadership, et cetera, in certain uh, realms. I know you're still the selection committee chair, but, you know, for what, another uh, two or three weeks, I'm guessing, uh, based on the, my maths right there, uh, Dewey Nats will be taking over that role. Uh, but... What, what are your concerns? What, what are your criticisms at this point? And, you know, to what degree is it panning out over the last few days now that more schools have kind of said no? Well, much of my, my, my concerns are kind of the same as what got me involved in the National Committee, is that the coach's voice is not being um, undertaken. I think that the student-athlete voice is being um, very uh, not listened to really at all. Um, to be honest with you, because the, the joy of Division Three is that there's not a scholarship for football participation that is holding an athlete and requiring them to play in order to have access to their education, which is what is the case at the Division One level. Uh, for many of those students, if they lose that scholarship, they don't have access to their degree at that institution. Um, at Lake Forest, at RPI, at Union, doesn't matter. That financial aid is not going to change whether or not a young man plays football. And that should allow them a little bit of their choice, um, you know, to go to go into whether or not they want to play their season um, with an educated mindset. Um, I do think that the the other part that's really frustrated me, and, and I've been outspoken about this, whether it's uh, in particularly at the NCAA level, um, the the failure to give the information or to make a decision or to provide insight. Um, that has been requested of them by schools, by conferences in a timely manner has been disappointing. The focus has been more on how do we get Alabama and LSU onto the field, not how does what we say about them affect the Division Two and Division Three realms. And that part has been, um, to me, pretty frustrating, to be honest with you, is that we're sitting here talking about trying to navigate between what is mandatory, what is a recommendation, and what is a guideline, and Nobody from the, the organization that released the initial return to play protocols is willing to clarify, you know, what things are kind of, you have to do this. Um, and there is a, a component of what was released in the return initial return to play protocols that, that was generated for the summer workouts that Division One schools were having. And those then became applied to all sports, all at every level even though that wasn't what was initially being portrayed as what needed to be done for a, a season. And 
their failure to communicate in a timely manner and sit on their hands has been a little bit frustrating. Um, I also wish that some schools would fully admit to why they're doing what they're doing and just for budget purposes, that we can't afford to do it. It's not It's not that they're taking their the health and wellness of their athletes more, it's that they don't want to pay to protect the health and wellness of their athletes. And I think that, you know, I come from a very fortunate institution where our president has gone out and signed the agreements and gotten everything done so we'd be ready to play, and I know there's other schools like that, but there's other schools that are hiding behind the fact that we're not willing to pay $60,000, $70,000 to test, or we're going to have our students come back to campus and, you know, hope that it hope that it works itself out. And, and I think that there is a component to that where the communication has not been um, clear from a lot of individuals who are the assigned leaders of either a conference or a, a school or the, the headlining, you know, the national organization where it's like, don't withhold the information, don't leak little things just to see how it plays in the room. Let's let's get the information that's necessary for you know 240 institutions in football and however many more in soccer and beyond, where they can start working with their athletes to give them guidance so they're not continuing to be anxious waiting for decisions. Or well, give yourself dates and deadlines when there's going to be information released and stick to them. JB, before I uh, give you the next question, I just want to let uh, you know that I received a um, DM from a player in D3 who I won't name. Uh, says, I understand canceling our season 100%, but canceling high school football would do much more harm than good. I hope they play. And kind of a uh, selfless uh, statement there from uh, one of our own here in Division Three, uh, in our East Region, in fact. Uh, go ahead. I'll give you the next question. Uh, give, give it over to Jim. All right, Coach. Um, one of the things when we were uh, looking at sort of how things could play out, I mean, we, we sort of I guess this is, could be a, a reality check. Um, you know, with with uh, non with basically limited or no non conference games, trying to keep things as regional close to, close together. What, from your perspective, I mean, is the travel cost uh, savings really you know going to help offset the testing, or is it really? those travel costs were sunk anyway because you're going to play, you know, seven games and you're going to be on the road for half of them. Um, and then I guess the the other um, the other question I would add, too, is, um, you know, from your, from your perspective, uh, just based on, you know, maybe your area of the country, you know, why are some of the other, um, you know, some pretty significant Midwestern conferences sort of still sitting on their hands um, when uh, yours and others have, have already announced. Announced. Jim, go ahead. Okay, so the, the, the big thing to give you an idea on the conference-only place, so we had a non-conference game scheduled um, this year that was going to be a travel game overnight. We, it would have been a $12,000 cost for that game for our team to go to that game. So that maybe buys you a week and a half of um, testing, so to speak, or maybe it, maybe it funds some of the other protocols that are going into place. So I don't mind the conference-only um, mindset that a lot of schools are going to. I also think that it's it's broader than the just football perspective when it comes to that, that if football plays 80% of their games now, other sports may only be playing 80% of their games. And there is a Title IX component to that that we have to be um, – be cognizant of and so to, to respect that and limit some of the exposures in the other sports whereas football is that that team that only plays 10 you know our other teams are looking to play 20 to 25 and it, you know what's the percentages not necessarily the actual contest played um, but twelve thousand dollars for us not playing our non-conference game would go back into that budget and i think that would be 
a reasonable sacrifice to have the other eight games that we would we would be playing in a conference schedule. Um, as far as the, uh, I think there was something else there about the Midwest Conference, you know, the other Midwest conferences that are maybe not making their decisions. I really do think that a lot of them were just have been waiting for the NCAA to release the return to play protocols. Because if the return to play protocols do include weekly testing, and that's mandatory now, that that budget changes for a lot of other people, or even just the access to tests. Um, I talked to a coach today that's from a more rural location. Um, initially, they had only had 200 COVID tests sent to their school by the local county, and those 200 actually got pulled back from them uh, within the last two weeks because of an outbreak in their county. They had seen a, a larger number of testing going on. Um, so some of the schools literally just can't get access to the tests because the hospitals in the county and the you know, state government are not going to give them the, the limited number of tests that maybe they have in that area. Um, some of the areas where there are more metropolitan areas, things like that, that's, they're a little bit easier to, to get a hold of. Um, so I do think that is playing a role that until they know exactly what the protocols are, you know, if the, if the protocols are the six-week resocialization of sport and that's it, I think you see a bunch of Division three schools question why they are why they canceled. Um, or if that's what it is, they can, they can do that. Um, you're also seeing some schools, and this is one of the things that was the underreported part of the Ivy League canceling, is that three of the schools had already canceled classes in person on campus. And as soon as they made that decision, they could not have sports. So it was not a it was a casualty of their already made decision not have in-person classes. It wasn't the, it, let's not put the cart before the horse on that one. Um, and so I think that as some schools are trying to look at their academic calendars and are trying to look on whether or not they're actually going to be able to have on-campus classes and, and things of that nature, um, that's playing a role as well. Um, but I, I do believe that, you know, the, the most important thing is we, we have to take care of our own communities now and, and not have, you know, silly what i would call silly behavior taking place and I, I do concern that we're making a decision for you know basically eight weeks from now the second week of september in in july when we saw how much things changed in the last two to three weeks what happens if they change the other way in two to three weeks are we are we rushing to make the decision rather than letting us see where we are at that point and, and i think in talking to some of our players they would rather we cancel the season on september 5th than cancel it in july Good point. Uh, JB's got one more quick one for you. Yeah, Coach, um, we've seen a lot of stuff online, and you know, for, I've got a lot of Chashki junk in in my office here. But as, as a football coach, you know, um, you know the mouth guards that players wear uh, typically covers the entire mouth, or at least is something that would, in theory, um, you know, we know scientifically that droplets can be. Uh, the, the, the primary, well, the, the main carriers of, of the virus. If you have this, this mouthpiece in, plus, uh, you know, there's been some stuff online about, you know, an additional sort of plastic shield that could go in a face mask. I mean, have any of these sort of equipment sort of discussions been going on at Lake Forest or even at the NCAA level where, um, you know, the fact that there are these certain things that are you know, blocking the mouth, which is the primary way, um, you know, this virus could be transmitted. Is that even been brought up or is it more just like, well, we, we need to figure out the, the high level stuff before we even get into worries about equipment and all that kind of crap. Jim. Go ahead, Jim. Did we lose you, Jim? No, you I think I put him on. 
didn't know which gym you were going to. <laughs> that's a good point. Wait, uh, James Baker, yeah, you're right. So, so, you know, you talk a little bit about the, the equipment that's out there. I, I can tell you what we're doing at Lake Forest. Uh, we had already put into place where we had bought um, the gators that kind of go up over the neck and over the mouth for all physical activity that our guys would be taking place in. We also had purchased the splash shields that Shut Manufacturing came out for for their helmet inserts, which is basically a, a shield over the eyes and a shield over the mouth. Um, you know, there's there, unfortunately because this is all kind of going as fast as we can. Um, there's no science to prove that that's going to. But the the logic says that if you have a piece of plastic between your face and the next person, that at the worst case scenario, it's going to hit that um, hit that shield before it hits the person. Um, and so we had already made that purchase. It's a relatively low investment. I think it costs us about sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars to outfit our whole team. Um, you know, Oakley just came out with theirs, which is a a very different version of, of what they have. And, uh, you know, I kind of laughed that, you know, almost every kid that we've ever had that was a super skilled player wanted to wear a shield and they couldn't because it was against the rules and now it's not against the rules and they're not going to want to wear it. So it's, uh, you know, hey. we're not wearing it because it's cool. We're wearing it because it can protect us. And, you know, but you're seeing some of the yeah. division one players are say, Oh, I'm not going to do it. It's going to be too hot. It's going to be too much. This It's going to be too much that, um, you know, so like I said, we had already kind of put into place that we had the, the gators, the, the you know the the gators go over your mouth for just a you know a, a base layer, and then the shield. And when you think about that, that's about twenty five dollar expense on an athlete that seems well worth it if that gives us a chance to play um, to play football. Uh, guys, I just want to uh, since we we kind of got into this whole situation based on uh, what the Empire Eight was going to be announcing, I'm going to show on the screen right now the the Empire Eight during this live broadcast has just come out with their guidance. I'll read it briefly, and then, Jim, I'll give you one more question. Uh, it states, Empire 8 member institutions have been working since the advent of COVID to ensure the health and safety of all members of our respective communities, including our student-athletes, as we anticipate reopening our campuses this fall. The league adopted the NCAA guidelines for the resocialization re of sport, developed a detailed pandemic protocol, protocol handbook, and approved modified schedules for the season. However... The continued evolution of the virus has presented significant new challenges for safe athletics competition. As such, the Empire 8 President's Council has unanimously voted to postpone all fall competition in the sports of uh, men's and women's, excuse me one second as I get something on my way there, uh, cross country, field hockey, football, men's golf, men's and women's soccer, women's tennis, and women's volleyball. Individual Empire 8 institutions continue to have the ability to engage in athletic-related activity this fall to provide beneficial opportunities for their student-athletes and teams in accordance with local health policy. The Empire 8 is committed to providing all fall student-athletes with a meaningful conference regular season and championship tournament experience in the spring of 2021, provided it is safe to do so. We are currently developing models and conference schedules to prepare for a successful experience. The health and wellness of our athletes and our campus communities will continue to be a top priority as we finalize those plans. Decisions surrounding winter sports competition will be made at a later time. We will continue to provide updates as information becomes available. Jim, give me a reaction to that. And then the overall final question I got for you is, are we going to have a 2020 fall football season in Division Three? to the degree you can tell right now. What's your prediction? Um, so that's disappointing to hear from the Empire 8, obviously, and for all the reasons that I've already said. You know, they're, they're basically saying that they're okay with teams practicing with their full roster on campus, providing that meaningful 
um, opportunity. But the issue is you're willing to do the practices, but you're not necessarily willing to allow them to compete against other people. And I think that that's the, the kind of concerns that we're going to allow all our 100 players to still practice and go through all of that, but we're not going to have our games. And I, I just wish that I could have somebody from the NCAA, and I don't necessarily hold this against the conferences because maybe they're getting different information that says we can have a spring football season. Because I've got real issues with the mindset of we're going to play a 10-game football season in the spring, have it in somewhere in the middle of May, and then turn around and play another 10-game season in the fall. And, and so this is a, a contact concussion, orthopedic issue, as well as the mental stress and anxiety that's going to put on student-athletes to be in a double in season in a six month window when we've already said that those issues are troubling for the future of the football. You know, we talk about playing football and two years ago, all everybody wanted to talk about was concussions and limiting contact and doing that. And now we're going to put that all into a very small window of time um, to make their bodies have to recover. And I'm not very much in favor of that at all. Um, so I'm probably one of the few coaches that will, will say, we don't want to, I don't want a 10 game season in the spring and following that up with a 10-game season in the fall. I don't think that's healthy for our players. You're, you're not the only uh, one saying that by far. I will tell you that from our conversations yeah. with coaches. About 90% of them admit that fact. But again, let me go back to that last question. Are we going to have a season? My heart says I hope so. But I, you know, I, as you said, maybe in one of your tweets, I think it was today, I'd rather be an optimist and be wrong than be a pessimist and be right. So I'm, I'm hopeful. But I think it's going to take a lot of a lot of things, and I think it will be very different from any football season we've ever seen before if it does happen. Um, but I, I, I have my doubts, but I'm hopeful. Jim, uh, we always appreciate you, my friend, uh, joining us. Uh, and uh, we're going to miss you as committee chair, but we are going to still be following Lake Forest football uh, like fiends out there and hope that you do suit up uh, with your players, at least uh, suit up and get on that field. Uh, that you're coaching it somewhere, uh, you know, maybe even outside the uh, player's box for your safety, uh, potentially, and any other coach uh, doing the same. There are so many ways to handle this, ultimately, and we've talked, you and I, uh, amongst ourselves about a lot of the possibilities of it. Let's hope we get to test some of them and test them wisely uh, in the fall season. That's the biggest thing. We're not giving uh, many opportunities to really put to work what we know already, and we talked about this earlier in the show before you joined us, that you know we, we sort of are acting a little bit moronic at times, despite having a whole litany of information we did not have four months ago. And I, I appreciate your kind of reality check about a lot of that as we've gone along here. So thank you again for joining us. No problem. My pleasure. You guys have a great night. You too now. Thanks, Coach. That was uh, insightful, to say the least, uh, JB. And yeah. uh, always appreciate his candor. Went longer than we thought we would in the show. We're at about one hour. We're going to cut it here. Again, uh, Empire 8 has announced that we are not going to have an Empire 8 fall 2020 football season, but maybe a spring one. They are more heavy-toned in terms of suggesting they will compared to most conferences out there, in fact. Uh, the MASCAC will probably be announcing at 10 a.m. tomorrow the same uh, and possibly limited uh, institutional football games, like one or two perhaps, one-offs, uh, if a school wants to play fall football uh, against one or two opponents. It may be possible from what I'm, I'm understanding, but I wouldn't necessarily bet the house on it happening either. ECFC not sponsoring uh, conference contests, but they're going to allow their conference members to schedule how they want to if they want to play their fall sports. 
Uh, the Liberty League still deciding what to do now in light of the Empire 8 decision. New Mac lost MIT awaiting a decision later in the week. CCC have not heard. NESCAC allowing their members to do a non-conference scheduling like the ECFC, but unlikely many will take them up on it. The NJAC possibly looking at spring football instead, but fall sports otherwise going forward is what we're hearing currently is on the table. That's a rumor, not definitive. And Mac looking like they are going forward with their season as conference only. That's what we have right now. We will keep you updated on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll be back probably sometime later this week or early next week with some more information about what spring football would really mean at the end of the day. For JB, have a good night, folks.